You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 69 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for May 2019, and I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a panel which is small in number and somewhat similar geographically to each other and to me, really. Um, Maybe it's because it's a holiday weekend here in the British Isles, but I have a distinctly Western European panel. Um, joining me from, I think, somewhere near Liverpool-ish, we have um, Gazmaz from the MyMac Podcast. Hi, Gaz. Hi, and uh, no, I'm nowhere near oh. um, uh, uh, Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> I'm. I, you could say I'm probably halfway between Birmingham and London. That'll do, really. Halfway between Birmingham and London, so that's sort yeah. of really the heart of England. It's yes, we are yes, we're in the East Midlands, so yes, yes, yes. Yeah, there's an airport there. There is, but I'm south of that. Yeah, I flew in there once, East Midlands Airport. Going, I've no idea where you are, Mister Airport, but apparently you're close to Birmingham, so that'll do. <laughs> yes, well done. Yes, so very good, thank you. Glad to be on. Haven't been on for a little while, so uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, delighted to have you back on. Um, also back with us, um, we have Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Yeah, I'm over in um, the West Midlands, so we've got the Midlands well represented. We yeah. have. And uh, how far are the West Midlands from the East Midlands? Is it the other side of the Pennines or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> not, not that far. Uh-huh. No, it kind of, it's actually at Birmingham, I think, is the divide. It's Warwick, isn't it? The, where the, it kind of turns into West Midlands? Something like yeah, that. yeah. So I'm, I'm north, I'm north uh, Birmingham. So. Right, right. So, you're, I mean, we, we are really quite close to each other. Like I said, yeah. Probably an hour, hour and a half away. So, yeah. Whereas I have the Irish Sea between us. But anyway. You do. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's been a long time since there's been no one from the other side of the Atlantic on the panel. But I don't think it's a holiday weekend for them. And I think a lot of our regular panelists are making their way in the sort of the vague general direction of San Diego. Uh, because we are recording this on the Sunday evening before Monday's WWDC kickoff and keynote. Um, I guess this is probably the opportune moment to say that we are intentionally not going to talk about WWDC. And I intentionally scheduled this show to be before WWDC because usually with the WWDC stuff, because it's nerdy, geeky stuff, it becomes much clearer about a week or two after the keynote what the implications are because all those devs are going to be using all those betas and we can actually have a way more informed discussion if we give it a little bit of time. So it's not bad timing that we're just before WWDC. It's kind of what I was aiming for. Just in case anyone thought I just couldn't organize a show. That may also be true, but that's not why. So before we get, actually, I should say up front, it's been a weird month's worth of news, presumably because of the run-up to WWDC. We only have two main stories and lots of little bits. So I guess the non-main stories are probably going to take up more time than usual in this show. And the main stories won't take up that much time. So it'd be a bit of an odd one. But we'll start with a little bit of follow-up. Um... Apple promised us in their most recent keynote that we were getting a new TV app coming soon. It has arrived Um, here in Ireland. It is of little to no actual use, Um, but it has had a very interesting side effect that the remote control for my Apple TV is now consistent and sane. So the menu button always takes you up one, and to get to the home screen, you press and hold the menu button. That's much, much better than the old way where it was menu button to go up one and then you press the Apple TV button to go to the home screen because there was no Apple TV in Ireland. So it's become more sensible. Uh, But other than that, the actual TV app is useless here. Is it any more useful in the UK? I I have tried to use the TV app, Mm -hmm. um, but I've failed. Um, I I think the the problem we've got is um, the TV app actually knowing where to go and what to get for me. Um, I, I, we do not do a lot with a lot of stations. We we, we tend to stick around um, BBC, probably BBC One, BBC Two, and, and a little bit of Channel Four. We don't really use ITV Three and and um, and Channel Five. We don't use those very much. And there are lots of other channels. I mean, 
obviously like the US now, we haven't just got the four channels like uh, a few years ago. We've got many hundreds of channels, but yeah. we don't tend to move around. And I just find it easier to, um, I to be honest with you, Bart, I use iPlayer and the applications that I've got with uh, the TV app from Channel 4 and uh, the other channels. So that's what I tend to use more. But I did try and use it. I might have to try and use it again. But I had, I think I've got another issue since the update. I'm not sure that the remote on my um, my phone is quite as useful as it used to be. I mentioned oh, that's that a pity. And I, I, I think uh, I think I, I wasn't sure whether it was just me and something that happened to my setup or whether there's actually been a bit of a change. But uh, I'm sure someone will comment on that. Hmm. I guess the Apple TV app gives an API, so in theory, BBC could have their stuff available yeah. through it, and Channel well, Four could have their stuff available well, it, the through B, it. The BBC, I think they do. the The issue I found is it doesn't really. It's not got the record. I think I've got to use it more because the recommendations that it was coming up with was it, it just didn't kind of suit the way I used it. It may, and that may be the biggest problem. Obviously, these these applications have got to suit your way of uh, watching. TV uh, mm. and how you how you interact with them. And, well, um, well, the problem here in Ireland is no content because yeah. our national broadcaster most certainly does not. Well, they don't even have an Apple TV app at all, so it can't integrate with Apple TV. Um, and there is nothing we can subscribe to that is Irish. And because Netflix are being annoying people, um, mm. th- th- that's not in there either. So there's literally nothing for me to watch in there apart from the two movies I've ever bought uh, from Apple. Yeah, I've got a little bit more through iTunes, but even so, you know, it, that's not what you go back to on a regular basis. <laughs> so I'm hoping people start to make use of those APIs and then it, the single pane of glass idea is very appealing to me. It's just that my pane of glass is rather empty at the moment and I would like it to be filled with some stuff. Anyway, what I what I find a bit irritating about it is, uh, and again, uh, like um, like Gaz, perhaps I'm just not using it properly, but um, I've watched one or two um, parts of programs mm-hmm. and then thought, this is a load of rubbish. I'm not going to watch any more of this, mm-hmm. and then it stays at the top of the TV app forever, <laughs> and I can't oh, get rid it, of it. It's trying to be helpful and help you to pick up where you left off. Yeah. You obviously haven't finished this, but I don't want to watch it. <laughs> I think most people would want it. I mean, that's how Netflix works as well, right? Whatever you're halfway through watching sits up there at the top. Yeah, I would think it would give up after a while, though. Maybe six months. (laughs) Anyway, uh, as I say, maybe I'm just not using it correctly. (laughs) Hmm, Well, maybe, I guess, turn it on, fast forward to the end so it gets the bloody hint. <laughs> that's what I end up yeah. doing on Netflix yeah. because otherwise Netflix just keeps them sitting there forever. So I just yeah, it does. Go to the end it does. Of the, show. the only the only thing then is it. Oh, you've watched this. You'll like more like that. Ah, no, thumbs down, thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not your um, you're using it wrong. You're you're watching it wrong. And we're watching, I'm watching it wrong. It wrong. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm using always the holding the remote right. the wrong way around because it's so bloody symmetrical. But that's 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 another day's crankiness. Anyway. Uh, the next bit of follow-up is that we know a little bit more about what Angela Ahrens is doing after her departure from Apple. She may well do many more things, but she is now a member of the board of Airbnb. So I guess that might involve some trouble. Um, following on from last month's earnings call, uh, Apple have moved up the Fortune 500 list. They have uh, bypassed one of their most prominent shareholders uh, to take uh, Berkshire Hathaway's third place spot, uh, and they are now only behind Exxon Mobil and Walmart. So, pretty rarefied air up there for Apple. So, even though it wasn't the world's best earnings call, and even though, of course, Apple is doomed, don't you know, they're still the third biggest company. So, that's got to mean something. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that's they're they're up there now. They're going to be there for a few years, and and even if they have a, a series of real flops, I, I, you know, it's going to take quite a lot for them to move out of the rarefied atmosphere. Uh, and that you know, even if they have those flops, I'm sure they'll come back at some point. So they, they have enough cash on hand to run absolutely yes for years, <laughs> you know. Without making a penny, and that seems, you know, even if they get it wrong, they're not going to make zero. So, yeah, they're, they're fine. Um, following on from a UK investigation into last year's battery gate faux scandal, Apple have formally committed to the UK Competition and Markets Authority that it will, quote, notify customers in a clear manner 
if an iOS update will, quote, materially change the impact of performance management. Okay, okay. thanks, thanks, UK. That was definitely worth the wait. Yeah, it's a little bit like a little bit like um, on packets of cigarettes, where it says these cigarettes will probably kill you. Yeah, um, uh, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? Uh, this 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 update may slow your phone down. Well, I think well, in this it, case, you see, I, the thing about Battery Gate was it was about making your phone actually go effectively faster by not dying in a heap. Yeah, I don't I don't have so much problem with the fact that they you know they want the company to notify customers in a, a clearer manner um what happened to the french situation because they were actually suing apple for slowing the phones down though did that go nowhere if it's gone anywhere it hasn't finished going there right right mm. okay yeah I, I kind of get this it's it, it, it's plus it's probably been blown up out of what i'd like to see is actually how many of these um other companies have similar things that goes on that we don't hear about because we're not fans of those other companies. But to be honest, even, they wouldn't get the, us. Yeah, and even well, even the fans of those other companies probably wouldn't hear about them because there's not as much hearsay and, and news reporting. Well, no, I would say the other companies don't do it because they won't go to this effort to make old phones continue to function. They no, will just let them yeah, crash in yeah, a heap. I wasn't, yeah, but I'm not really talking about that, Bart. I'm talking about if they change something and they are, you know, the company is taken to task because of something they haven't done. Whether it's, you know, this is, Apple were doing this for the good, they said, and we agree with them. Um, for the good of the life of the phone and to make sure that you had a better user experience. Get all of that. Okay. Um, but do the fact that the UK government has said, you know, they've taken them to task on the fact that there was some sort of faux scandal, which there wasn't, um, the Competition and Markets Authority also get in contact with other companies and ask them to do things because they have done or said something. But we don't hear about those. So this is kind of a bigger news story precisely because it is Apple. True, but I also yeah. think that other Android makers tend to just dump the phone in the market, give it few, if any, updates, and then ignore it. So it kind of wouldn't come up, but for bad reasons. Correct, correct. But for those, those, I think it's 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 a bit of a, a non-story. For but what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is the fact that we don't hear about these other stories where the competition um, and markets authority get in contact with the other companies as well. We hear about this because it is Apple. One, mm. we're Apple fans anyway. But two, much more is often made out of it as well. Yeah. Th- yes. Yes. Any headline with the word Apple in it gets more clicks. That is. Th- yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it is just perception, anyway, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. got a friend who uh, who I, uh, I work with, and um, he constantly bounces backwards and forwards between Android and iOS and Android and iOS, <laughs> and he says they're all horrible. Oh, I hate this. I'm going back to iOS. Oh, I hate, I hate iOS. I'm going back to Android. <laughs> so um, yeah. That's unfortunate, because at least I like one of them. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I get the impression that, some, you know, he's, he's a geek, and he actually quite likes going backwards and forwards. Between ah. I think he must do. <laughs> well, I guess, I mean, if you've been on, on Android, whatever comes before P, L-M-N-O, Oreo, um, yeah. and it might be fun to go to, to Pi, and then I'm guessing Quince or whatever we're going to call the next one. Um, oh, Quince. That sounds an interesting one. Yeah. Well, it's the only mm. vaguely deserty thing with a Q I've been able to come up with. I've no idea what a Quince is. I believe it's a bit like a pear. Yes, I think it is. Yes, I don't think I've ever eaten a Quince. Mm, I've been keeping an eye out, because if I see one in a fruit shop, I will buy one just because. Anyway, um, taking us on to notable numbers, two statistics caught my eye. The first is from the... Uh, Entertainment Software Association, who are an American group who represents the people who make games in America. And they release an annual report. This year's one is called the 2019 Essential Facts About the Computer and Video Game Industry Report. It's actually quite fun to read the um, overview section, actually. Lots of... It's a PDF with really, really big pictures and diagrams and things in the first couple of pages. Um... Some interesting statistics um, is that more people now play games on their smartphones than on PCs. 
of people who play games, 60% of them do so on a smartphone, while only 52% do so on a PC, and only 49% do so on a console. Um, in total... Ah, um, for a minute, I read that sentence and thought, that comes to a lot more than 100%. It does, because some people game on more than one device. Correct. <laughs> Also, 65% of Americans now play games, and the number is actually not that different between the genders, and frankly, not that different between the age groups either. Um, interesting. And, yeah, and of those 65% of Americans who play games, 71% of them play casual games, which I think explains uh, the iPhones, or sorry, smartphones position in that list. I th- yes, uh, yes, definitely the demographics of um, uh, iPads and whatever, um, and, and tablet computers. Um, it's probably, I mean, I, I, I myself was playing Scrabble earlier on. There you go. And it, it could have been with young or old people, couldn't it? So, yeah. The average, or, or in between. the average age of an American gamer is 33. Oh, there you go. 32 if you're female and 34 if you're male or the other way around. Can't remember which. Youngsters. <laughs> yeah. Youngsters. <laughs> it's... You know, when Apple go on about the fact that they make some of the the the, the you know the the biggest gaming store in the world, they're not wrong. It's just if you're a big gaming nerd, you sneer at casual gaming. But there's a lot of it going on, and a lot of people making a lot of money. Which I don't know. I, I think this is this implies a potentially bright future for Apple's arcade service coming soon. Yeah, possibly so. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I am actually quite interested in. Um, seeing how that goes forward, really. Uh, Me too, because I I, I, I I don't like looking for games because there's so many, yeah. so many of the cheap and free games are monetized in ways I find abhorrent and objectionable. Whereas with, with Apple Arcade, there's a hundred percent guarantee of none of that cardology. So I will happily pay Apple to make some fun games appear on my phone that I don't have to worry about being tracked and advertised that and so forth. And I I, I don't know. About you, Bart, but I just like to go into the game and try it. And then there, there are some games which I like to then go back to. I, I've got mm. a couple of, you know, I don't play games heavily. I used to long time ago, don't anymore. But I do like occasionally just, you know, going into a game, playing it quick, and back out again. I don't, I don't like games where I have to get heavily involved in the whole story line. Yeah, um, yeah, casual. Yeah, totally yeah. casual, totally casual. Yeah. So, yeah, and so that that whole um, process that uh, Apple are looking at with the um, uh, monthly subscription for the games is uh, something that really does interest me. Mm-hmm. I also like the fact that it's a business model that should hopefully be sustainable for the developers because they're going to have a stream of income coming in without them yeah. having to do, That's you key, know, viral bloody blas and trackers and all this kind of stuff. They can just get paid to write games concentrate on the gaming more yeah uh there's also a study out from jump who make um various remote management solutions for many products including apples and their survey has found that 71 percent of american college students prefer macs over pcs which is nice to know that's still true i wonder do we think that's changed much were there any figures in there because I couldn't see whether there are any historical figures that it was com- comparing to. Well, Jamf is quite a new company on the whole, so I don't know if they'd be in a position to have anything like, you know, five years ago or whatever. Hmm. I also don't they... know if... I've ne- I don't remember ever seeing numbers from Jamf before, so this may actually be their first foray into publishing numbers. We'll have to see how that, uh, if that changes at all. But, uh... Yeah. Legal latest. Now, I will just put a pin on this and say that the biggest legal story is not in this section. It's down in main stories. So we'll ignore that one for now. And we'll instead revisit via a little tangent Apple v Qualcomm. So last time we met our heroes, Apple and Qualcomm had settled. And I think the assumption sort of was that that meant that Qualcomm had won and Apple had lost because Apple came cap in hand and made an arrangement with Qualcomm. It would appear there was another shoe to drop. Yeah, that was just Infinity Wars. We didn't have Endgame, did we? Clearly, yeah. <laughs> so there was, of course, another lawsuit going on with Qualcomm, which arguably was instigated by Apple, who I'm sure complained to the Federal Trade Commission in the United States about the monopolistic practices of Qualcomm. Well, the FTC's uh, antitrust case continued. It was not affected by Apple's settlement because Apple weren't the ones doing the suing. 
Um, at issue was the fact that Qualcomm was threatening people with removing access to 5G, basically saying, well, we have all the patents, and if you don't agree to our terms, you're not going to have any 5G. Wouldn't that be terrible? And also their licensing was a bit special in that it was licensing not on the price of the chip or on the number of chips you bought, but on the price of your final finished phone, a percentage had to go to Qualcomm, which obviously really hinders the Samsungs and the Apple of this world who make premium products. And it was a fairly icky business model, really. Mm. Um, the Ars Technica opinion piece is actually titled How Qualcomm Shook Down the Cell Phone Industry for Almost 20 Years. That's a bit... Uh, they clearly don't think they were nice practices. Anyway, uh, Judge Lucy Coe, who's a name us Apple followers should recognise because poor Judge Coe got stuck with Apple and Samsung in her courtroom over and over and over and over again. And then she got stuck with Apple and Qualcomm, or in this case, just Qualcomm and the Federal Trade Commission. Um, she, she must really be sick of tech. Anyway, she found in her ruling that uh, Qualcomm's licensing model is indeed anti-competitive, resulting in prices that were, quote, unreasonably high. And she ordered the company to renegotiate all of the deals so that they meet the so-called Ferrand criteria, which is fair, reasonable and non-discriminatory. And uh, it's going to be done under court supervision through an arbitration process to make sure that it is, in fact, fair, reasonable and non-discriminatory. Lucy, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Apple probably are going to get a good deal out of this, and they've managed to get out of all those court cases with Qualcomm. So uh, in hindsight, I, if Tim Cook had an inkling this was coming, he was a bloody genius. <laughs> yeah. Unless he was just hopeful. Either way, it seems yeah, to work I, pretty I, well. I, yeah, they were playing the long game, weren't they? They were, they were going to see if they could... Um, get a, a better deal through the courts and pressurise Qualcomm and it led to the last minute and they thought, okay, this is the best we're going to get. Great. We know what's coming. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll settle. Let's uh, move on. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you may remember earlier this year, Apple had a very embarrassing bug in group FaceTime where it was possible if you did a small amount of jiggery-pokery that's not difficult to have someone else's phone automatically answer a call from you so you effectively were eavesdropping on them because their phone was now broadcasting whatever was going on in their vicinity to you and it wasn't difficult you basically had to add I think yourself to a call that was already in progress or something it was a silly little bug to trip up Mm. Uh, Apple removed group FaceTime for a week while they patched the bug then they patched the bug and put the service back up but pretty much the day after, there was what I would consider to be quite a frivolous lawsuit filed, and I don't think we covered it on the show, because if you covered every frivolous lawsuit against Apple, you'd be here forever. Well, anyway, Apple won. So that frivolous lawsuit, go bye-bye. So I thought that was worth celebrating. Yeah, very true, because um, I, th- I think we mentioned that on the MyMac podcast, and uh, we talked about it and said that uh, I think we, we both uh, sighed quite heavily when we talked about that particular exasperatedly situation. yes absolutely mm. so i'm glad you're both very good at doing that we are yeah Extra- yeah yes. experts 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 size well, i'm well practiced with all this bloody apple v samsung apple v qualcomm it's like the never-ending section <laughs> of the show notes but anyway i'm afraid bart that that is the world that we now live in and uh it's going to continue to be and it's not i mean it's it's tech company versus tech company isn't it true stop yeah um the last case here under legal latest is unusual i didn't realize this was a thing so the son and estate of broadway composer harold al arlen who you may know from over the rainbow kind of a famous song have filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against Apple and other music sellers, uh, Amazon, Google, Microsoft and Pandora, over the sale of unauthorised copies of the artist's work on their platforms. And that sounded weird to me. It's like, how how could Apple be selling pirated copies of Over the Rainbow? Apparently this is a thing. So there's there's an industry organisation you have to sign up to to get, like, a special serial number, sort of like an ISBN for a book... And there doesn't seem to be any vetting involved. So these ne'er-do-wells are signing up as if they are valid record labels and getting themselves the little magic registration number that says they sell music. And then they're going to 
all of these music stores, so Amazon, Google, Microsoft and Pandora, and they're going through the motions as if they were a legitimate record label and then uploading music they don't own. And obviously the assumption is that if you're registered with the appropriate industry bodies then everything's above board and that assumption is complete hogwash. And so you end up with the illegitimate versions being mildly cheaper than the legitimate versions and therefore raking in millions of dollars in profit. So I think Apple needs some human beings and they need Mm. to stop assuming that just because you're registered doesn't mean you're legit. It does sound a little bit like... um... It just sounds a little bit like we've got some really poor practices in the music industry that actually (laughs) don't validate things. And therefore, let's sue everyone who's got lots of money. (laughs) Well, yeah, but if you're the estate of someone and you go onto iTunes, one of the biggest music stores in the world, and you see that someone has over the rainbow... Oh, no, no, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I quite understand their their aggrievement at, at, at stuff being used without their permission. But... I, it, it seems a little bit cockeyed. Shouldn't they be plugging this hole that allows people to just put out stuff run, willy-nilly rather Apple than... get a commission on all those sales. So if, if there's a shop selling counterfeit Levi's, of course Levi is going to sue the shop. Apple are the shopkeepers here. Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose so. You know, they're they're selling counterfeit goods. They didn't mean to, but they are. So. But it's it's not it's not these it's not Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and Pandora who actually do the registration stuff, is it? No, but they're basically just believing the registration. So basically, if you come with the appropriate registration number and go into the back end interface of their stores, you can just submit the stuff for sale. Which and is no vetting that you actually have the rights. I presume there's a checkbox. There's always a checkbox. I assert that I have the right. But maybe some, maybe there's a little bit more needed than that. Yeah, maybe so. Which is where, where I think you're coming from, isn't it, Nick? You know, it, it is. The industry itself should have a process which uh, uh, is accurate. But, um, you know, where does it stop at who checks the checkers? We've mm. this, uh, I, I think I get the impression there's no checkers at the moment, so it's no, easy. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to Apple HR News. Apple have hired Lindsay Rothschild as Head of Creative Services, Music Publishing for North America. Quite a job title. She was previously Lead Songwriter and Publisher Relations for YouTube, as well as Music Publishing Business Development for YouTube and Google Play. Also quite a mouthful as job titles go. So, um, a music person has joined Apple from Google, is what I take out of that. And... um, There is also ThinkNum are reporting that Apple's hiring of people with AOR expertise has gone up by a factor of 30 since this time last year. So Apple are hiring 30 times more AOR people than they were a year ago, which is kind of impressive. Hmm. Not surprising, given how often Tim Cook mentions it as the future of everything, but interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a big label on his plate, isn't it? I bet I bet it's on his table. He's got a a a, um, a carved AR yeah on his table because that's yeah that that's um, and I I think everybody is going to be moving that down that avenue, but certainly Tim Cook's been been shoving AR um, yeah for some time now actually. What are the best demos I've seen of uh, AR? Um. For something that's really useful, I think was at CNET this year, and it was a um, sat nav that displayed the arrows on the road. Ooh! So, which I thought was really cool. So, you know, if you needed to turn right, you'd actually put a, uh, an arrow on the road in front of you. <laughs> yeah, obviously, you were looking through a screen, but oh, that's I thought that was really. Yeah, so I thought that was very clever. So when you say looking through a screen, so presumably this is where technology, car technology will kick in as well. A lot of AR possibilities with uh, obviously your windscreen. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's one or two cars already that have sort of these little yeah, pop-up screens, but yeah, right. it needs, yeah, head up, needs to head go a bit further than that. Yes, it does. Yeah. But, but yeah. equally, they've got to be careful because they mustn't distract you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, see, if it's it. vaguely hovering, that could be distracting. But if it's actually using AOR to cleverly place it as if it yes, were painted it on the road so that as your like head moves, spot. the arrow yeah. stays put in reality, that becomes very different. Now, that could be bad in the future because then councils will think they don't have to do any <laughs> signs on the roads and paint anything because obviously it's all in your car. 
Yeah, good point. <laughs> I think we're a wee while away from the technology we, being we quite are. that we ever are. present. Yes, we are. We are. Hmm. Interesting, though. Okay, um, moving on to our two main stories. The first story is a collection of stories, I guess, two. Um, so I guess we have three main stories-ish. Um, anyway, the App Store has not had a good month this May. So the first bit of bad news to strike Apple was the outcome of their Supreme Court case. Uh, we talked about this case a few times. There are customers of the App Store trying to sue Apple. They've been at it for quite a few years now. They're trying to sue Apple saying that the iTunes, sorry, the, the iOS App Store is anti-competitive because it has a monopoly on iOS apps. Which is not an argument I find particularly convincing, but leaving that aside, the actual case that went up to the Supreme Court had nothing to do with that core fundamental question. The question was, could Apple be held accountable for the App Store in that way? Because actually, Apple don't set the prices on the stuff sold in the store. The developers choose the price, not Apple. So shouldn't the developers be the ones being sued? And Or shouldn't the developers be the ones suing Apple if this is a problem there? So Apple argued that they weren't, this, the lawsuit basically, the, the plaintiffs had no standing. And the lower the lower court agreed with Apple. And then the uh, the next level up, the appellate court agreed, disagreed with Apple basically, agreed with the plaintiffs. So it went up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court have upheld the appellate court. So the original case can proceed. So all that's happened now is that an antitrust case against Apple can begin. And when I say begin, I mean they're starting with the discovery phase and working from there. So nothing concrete is going to happen for probably quite a few years. But nonetheless... If you're running an online store like so many other companies are, particularly all the gaming console companies, we're watching this very carefully because, you know, the, the, the gaming stores are very, very analogous to what Apple have on iOS, much more so than Google Play Store because it's, 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 it, 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 there are sideloading, you know, there are alternative stores there. So uh, we definitely want to watch. And on the whole, I think that the Supreme Court's, it was a 5-4 decision, and I think that the decision was stupid. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. <laughs> because they're, they're basically they're saying that why should Apple be different to a store? If a store sells you a Coca-Cola and there's something wrong with it, you should be able to sue the store. And it's like Apple don't buy games off developers and then sell them on. A store buys Coca-Cola and then sells you Coca-Cola. Apple don't buy 40 copies of the game or the app and then sell you one of those copies. That's not how app stores work. So the whole thing to me... Just... I, I just, I, you know, I just, I can't see... I mean, the body shop, if you went into the body shop when that... Does the body shop still exist? I don't know. I anyway. Don't know. Um, it does. Uh, it does. All uh, right. Um, uh, when the, if you go into the body shop, you buy body shop stuff. No one, no one comes along and says, oh, you shouldn't be selling, but you should be selling all everybody else's stuff. You, they sell body shop stuff. I mean, uh, I find this, yeah, really weird. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so I think a lot more company because we had exactly the same conversation um, uh, with with Guy and uh, exactly the same thought process. Does this mean that anybody who's – because obviously it will not probably apply to uh, brick-and-mortar stores, although the same – process will apply but if you you know because it's uh technology and it's online that's probably where they're, they're going to start drawing the lines but if you are a company that sells your own range of product and only your range of product hmm. should you not be selling other people's competitive range of products i'm not i'm not sure yeah this is this is well, as I say, this I isn't think. this has nothing to do with the merits of the case. The question here is um the question here is whether or not people whether or not the customers can sue Apple, even though Apple are the middleman instead of the actual person selling you the stuff. Right. So It just means that more lawsuits against Yeah, that's that and and th- <laughs> 
It all depends what you're suing them for, isn't it? If you're trying to get a replacement and somebody doesn't give you the replacement, then you sue the company for not giving you the replacement. But you don't sue them. You just you get very hot and bothered under the collar and, and tell everybody that they're not giving you a refund for something. If, however, something that that app does to your phone breaks your phone then apparently Apple are very stringent on what these applications can do. So should you be suing the app developer or Apple? Yeah, well, I think basically the biggest thing to come out of all of this is that um, there's going to be a lot more possibility of lawsuits against people who run stores, whether that be Nintendo, whether that be Microsoft or whether that be Apple, because really the antitrust question is completely up in the air still. This this has no meaning. It's just can, can the members of the public sue the middleman rather than the actual people they're buying stuff from? It's a little bit like buying something from a market stall and then when you're not happy with it, suing the, the market stall owner. No, sorry, the market owner. Yeah, that's more, yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It is, it, but it, it is very much a grey area, isn't it? Because what, what sometimes then happens is they'll try and refer you back. It's like buying a car. You don't you, – you, often you, you, you'll go back to the dealer and have your, your – discussion with the dealer not with the manufacturer it is a bit of a gray area so i've got a feeling this is going to be sitting in your legal latest for quite some time but oh yeah it is you know i i've i've resigned myself to that fact yeah yeah that's a good that's a good example guys um yeah it's, a, it's quite a gray area so it'll be interesting to see what happens yep so that's kind of bad enough for Apple. Uh, lots and lots of people are pining about, is this the end of Apple? I say, like, well, it's definitely not the end of Apple for the next two years anyway. Uh, you know, this isn't going to happen quickly. Um, the other thing that occurs to me is if Apple, if the absolute quote-unquote worst comes to the worst and Apple are forced to open up side-loading and stuff, they have actually have all the mechanisms in place to protect our security through their new notarization service they're using to make the macOS more secure. So even if the sky does fall two years from now, I think Apple have had more than enough time to prepare by then. So I think they should be able to preserve our security, even if the court orders something that I think is silly. Oh, well, that's comforting. <laughs> comforting I comforted myself with that thought. Over, I was in the shower yes. and that came to me. It's like, oh, thank goodness for that. Um, it, it does make it does make app development and everything so much more complicated, though, doesn't it? All all of these things. Well, it makes it more complicated for Apple and the app developers. Probably. Well, it all depends on how the the antitrust case comes out. It's, it's at the moment, it's all a bit academic. Except that Apple's lawyers now have a lot of work to do to prepare for a big court case. Yeah, um, Apple to, were not happy with this ruling. It's fair to say. They issued a statement where they basically said there is no way we are being in any way monopolistic, quote, by any metric. Uh, but they went a little bit further and they created a new page on their homepage to basically to highlight how the App Store works and how much competition there is in the App Store. You know, they show their built-in apps and all of the apps competing, not all the apps, but a selection of apps competing with it. They show all the different business models being supported from free to paid for and so on and so forth so it's it's actually kind of a nice sort of laying out of how the app store works and what its advantages are and i've always said that there is you know apple is competing with google and apple's model is a walled garden that's very well weeded and google's model is an open field that has some nice pretty wildflowers and a couple of nasty dangerous ones and so I think there's value in the competition between those two different models. And Apple did a really good job on this page of laying out the advantages to their model. And obviously, it's just one of the models available to people in the space. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or do we move on to the next bit of kerfuffling? I, I think we've just got to keep our eyes open for the next uh, service um, lawsuit, which is going to kick up. It just—it's never ending, isn't it? It's just—I'd mm-hmm. love to. I, I was going to say I'd love to know how much money Apple have to spend on their uh, law. They've probably got their own law department, haven't they? So yeah, they have. Like for a company like Apple, you don't—you don't hire lawyers by the hour. Mm-hmm. You yeah, employ them as employees. That's very true. I'd, I'd look, be interested to see how big that department is. I bet it's quite uh, enormous, actually. I would say so. Yes. Yes. Not good because I want to be kept safe. So yes. yeah, think about the children. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, clearly. Um, the the next sort of bit of App Store related bad news then was kicked off by the Washington Post. They wrote an article highlighting an issue we've known about for a long time, frankly, that free apps are monetizing themselves by selling user data or and or attention to advertisers and or data brokers. Um, they, but it was very sensationalistic. It's the middle of the night. Do you know who your iPhone is talking to was the headline. And they, in my opinion, they conflated a lot of entirely legitimate traffic with evil ad tracking and so forth. And I just think the whole thing was OTT. But of course, there is a real kernel of truth there. They're actually like free apps that are not by charities. They are monetizing themselves. Um. I, I did a, a big blog post on this recently enough. There, there only are so many business models. If you follow the money, there's only so many places it can lead. Um, the most likely place it leads is what I call Freepy, which is free in exchange for your personal information, the Facebook model, as we could also call it. Or there's its more insidious brother, which is the free for now, which is sort of the Instagram model, uh, where... For now, the company is making losses hand over fist because all it's trying to do is hoover up users, which it will then turn around and sell the company for a billion dollars to a Facebook or whatever. And then all of your personal information is, is sold in one giant big go and the founders cash out and sod off. So there's not actually that much difference in the free P and free for now. But at the end of the day, if... If it's not an app by a charitable foundation or, you know, some sort of free service where you understand why it exists, well, then there's something going on. And the chances are it's hoovering up of your personal data being sold. So that's real, even if the article was silly and badly written. And I don't know what Apple can do about it, because what's the difference at a technological level between a network connection from your phone to... You know, to send your location data to Strava versus an encrypted... In fact, it doesn't even know what you're sending because all this is over HTTPS, etc. What's the difference between that and sending that same data to a tracker? I mean, there's no technological difference. You know, it's it's all the same, really. So the, the, there's no magic wand Apple can just wave. They say in the terms of service that you have to have a privacy policy. It has to be accurate and you have to make it available in your app. So it's whether you trust that the maker of that app. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's kind of where it boils down to. And, you know, if, if there is abuses found, will Apple act? Well, we found that Apple do act, uh, as uh, Facebook and Google found out recently enough when they had their certificates revoked. Yes, they're certainly not scared to act whatever the size of the company, mm. which is good. Yeah. So they got an awful lot of trouble and an awful lot of people, you know, through the old what happens in your iPhone stays in your iPhone slogan back at them. But I don't think that's fair, reasonable or, you know, shows any sort of understanding of the actual issue here. People want free stuff. People refuse to pay for stuff and people still expect there to be stuff. Pick two, you know. it's ah. Yeah, I suppose the public announcement is just be wary of when you when you use free stuff. <laughs> but just be aware that you may be giving away your personal information. Yeah, when you install an app, you're trusting the app. Yeah. It kind of is that simple. Right, so let us move away into happier news. Main story number two is much more fun. New hardware from Apple. Yay. Uh, basically, they're obviously trying to clear the tables for WWDC. So the first thing we got is an update. Now to... I heard. Can I? Sorry to interrupt, okay. but I I heard that slightly the wrong way round. Okay. I like the way you said clear the tables. I heard that as getting rid of their old stuff, rather than you saying getting clearing the tables so that they could then concentrate on WWDC. <laughs> I completely misconstrued what you <laughs> meant by that. <laughs> no, no, definitely in the other way. So they did this yes, last year yes. too. Um, so they don't want distractions from whatever coolness they have to offer us tomorrow. So the first thing they got out of the way was a speed bump to the MacBook Pros. So all those people who were saying that all we want from Apple is for you to take the latest Intel CPU, shove it into the existing body and let me buy it off you. Okay, mission accomplished. You can now get the latest Intel CPUs on MacBook Pros. And that includes a new 8-core option. So 
plenty more oomph, no change in price, no change in design. It is literally just more oomph for the same books. Have I heard that they might have a bit of a problem with the heat on those? I'm sure you have, because it's a day ending in a Y, so someone who doesn't understand thermals has <laughs> gotten out a copy of um, a benchmarking tool everyone goes on about and has misunderstood the results and made some clickbait. I'm sure that's happened. Geekbench, okay. that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I thought I'd heard that, that obviously, they that, not obviously, but they were having to just not use the full capability because of the heat that was being generated, but... Yeah, it could well be also clickbait. All, all modern computers by all vendors manage the power so that they control the thermals. That's not a problem. That's how I, they're I supposed that. to work. It, and it's not an Apple thing. That's a, that's how these things work. Totally get that. But it's to what degree do you do it? Because obviously you'd have to have something which is like several inches thick if you were going to do it so it was running cool and you had enough fan base and, and um air rotation within the machine but uh, obviously uh, if they're keeping to the same design it's quite a thin design that's what was uh, that's i think where the report was coming from hmm. I, I haven't heard any credible evidence of there being a problem no no right that's good that's good because i mean i mean the one thing that we know apple do is they take their design very seriously so yeah yeah yeah, the record is very good on this actually, and they 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 have a long record of making very quiet running, well, you know, thermally well managed products. Yeah, yeah. Another PSA for for, for those listening. Okay. Um, just because it's got eight cores, doesn't mean that you need to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just because it's got more, doesn't mean that you need to buy it. <laughs> also, just because there's an eight core model available, doesn't mean you need to buy that one. Uh, no, exactly. There's lots. There are many to choose from. <laughs> it's, it, it, most people listening to this show probably should buy the i5 version of all of these devices from Apple and not the more expensive i7, because unless you're editing together a movie or something, you don't actually need an i7. They're for, they're for high-end workstations. They're not for regular human beings, but that's a whole separate rant. It is indeed. Seven is better than five. Hmm. Yes, and your wallet will be a lot emptier. <laughs> it's it's a bigger number. I mean, yeah. we, we've always liked bigger numbers. Back when the old processor race was going on, it was the same thing, wasn't it? Oh, it's yes. a bigger number. It must be better. Yeah, and your bank account has a much smaller number now, and you've got an absolutely no benefit whatsoever from that lost money. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, the other thing that got some TLC with these new laptops, it didn't really make Apple's press release to the same extent, um, but they did also say at the say you know they've they have not redesigned isn't quite the right word because the actual design of the butterfly keyboard and these new macbook pros is the same what they've changed is the materials that are being used to build some of the components in that same design so some people are saying it's a sort of a a 3.5 generation version of the keyboard either way apparently this time it really is fixed and they're putting their money where their mouth is because there's now a new keyboard replacement program that if anyone with any butterfly keyboard right the way back to the very first 12-inch MacBooks where these butterfly keyboards first appeared, if you have a bogey key or more, you get a free keyboard replacement now under this new program. It doesn't matter whether your machine is still in Apple Care. If your keyboard is buggered, you get a new keyboard. And it's one of these new fancy pants ones with the new materials you get. So... I think I will be availing of that shortly because, as I may have revealed in the last episode, my V key has become a little bit unreliable and I may have, for the first time in the history of this podcast, had to beep myself on my own show. Because <laughs> <laughs> I spent quite a lot of time saying, oh, I don't know what all the problem is with these keyboards. I think they're great. And then, you know, a week later, my V doesn't work. And I do a lot of copying and pasting, it turns out. Ah, oh, yes, that would be a pain, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah I can still copy. <laughs> yes. But the paste is intermittent. So anyway, that, that's good that's, news. I think. That's worse, actually, isn't it? Intermittent faults really are the oh, worst yeah. faults. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like when you take your car in and you can say, this creaks, and then it doesn't. Yeah, the, the engineer yeah. charges you for days labour and goes, nope, it's fine, can't see anything wrong. Two days later. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So hopefully this is finally the end of this saga. We shall have they, but but you said 
um, Bart, that they haven't mentioned it very much, and but we're hoping that it's you know the end. I like the fact that they're sticking with it because that, that Apple do tend they tend to get things right. Now they haven't got it quite right with the keyboard, although I keep hearing differing stories about actually how many have been replaced and have gone back and obviously they've put some sort of process in place to repair them so they've there's obviously enough of the of the machines with a fault that they've they've had to listen and 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 put this in place um there's a real selection effect going on now because well the version two really really seemed to have gone very badly wrong because there wasn't much of a... like The 12-inch MacBook was around for many years without any major kerfuffle about those keyboards. Yeah. And it was only when version 2 was put into the MacBook Pros that this keyboard started failing en masse. And one one reason I have heard is that the, 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 the thermals are different in the MacBook Pro chassis than the MacBook chassis. And in the MacBook Pros, apparently, the, the, the various layers get warmer than they get in the MacBook. And so one theory is that there's degrading of the materials going on in the MacBook Pros, which isn't happening in the MacBooks to anywhere near the same level. And that may be why we needed these new materials that have come in this version 3.5. Another reason not to go with eight cores. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. (laughs) No, I'm sure they've got it. The fact, I mean, they obviously... They've invested a lot of time in it, and they, you know, a company doesn't want to back down. But um, it, I do. I, I've not tried them really. Um, they're to, like when they work right. I've heard they're really good. Yeah. So uh, the, I'm not the most accurate typer in the world for always having my fingers exactly in the middle of the keys. Mm. And the old wibbly wobbly keys, I would quite often hit them so close to the edge that I would depress them, but no key press would happen. Wouldn't register, yeah. Cannot do that with the butterfly keys. You can touch the vaguest edge of a key and the whole key will go down flush. And it won't feel wobbly and wrong and ick. It will depress. So they're actually, I really like them. That's that's that, that's interesting because what struck me then as you were saying that, it's almost like the predictive text that you have on your keyboard, on your phone. <laughs> as long as you're in the area of the right key, it's going to depress it. That's good. That's it is good. good. The thing is, if if it starts to make your keys press twice or not, a, or sometimes not at all, then it ceases to be quite so pleasant. But that's that's yeah. the symptom people are getting. The other new bit of hardware then surprised many people. The iPod Touch is not, in fact, dead. It has just been resurrected-ish. Well, no, it's it's gotten some TLC. Um, you, maybe we should call this the iPod Touch SE because they kept the case, just like they did with the iPhone SE. They kept the case they've had for years and they took all of the insides out and threw them in the bin and then put in entirely fresh insides to bring it up to date so that it can run a or group FaceTime, and it will be able to run all of the games in their upcoming arcade. Now, there is some criticism because they didn't add either Touch ID or Face ID, which is a pity. And they also didn't shove in an A12. They shoved in an A10. Now, this thing has a much smaller screen, so it actually needs much less oomph to drive it. And I would imagine it's also very physically small, so you can't put a lot of battery in there. So I imagine the reason it's an A10 is because that's actually the right processor to get that size of device to work properly. But 12 is a bigger number than 10, so this must be a scandal. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a scandal at all. It sounds, actually sounds like quite a cool machine. Uh, my first iOS device was an iPod Touch, and I will always have a soft swap on there. I mean, they are shockingly thin and light compared to an iPhone because they don't need that power-guzzling cellular radio. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty much in the same boat as you there, but the only thing is they they are starting to look a bit um, their age, aren't they? Especially with the bezel. Yeah, but I guess it's the fact that it got some TLC, maybe there's a bezel-less version on the way soon. Uh, the price point stayed put, so the entry level. So this means you can have... A modern iOS processor that can run all the modern games that are about to be released for $199. And it comes in six cool colours. So, 
Uh, all mm. in all, I think it's an interesting device. They've also increased the storage on them. Um, and uh, the review on iMore uh, has the interesting title, An Android User's Best Apple Friend. In other words, if you want to play in the iOS ecosystem, you don't want to spend a lot of money and you don't want to change your phone, one of these little devices actually gets you an awful lot, especially if you pair it with your phone in hotspot mode, whether it's an Android phone or an iOS phone. If you have a phone in hotspot mode nearby, then what you've ended up with is something that can do pretty much everything an iPhone can do, only it's way smaller, lighter, and cheaper. Yeah, that's true. That's, yeah, an interesting... I believe the other big use for them is within corporations and stuff like that, where you want to give people a portable iOS device to run point of sale or to run business specific apps. And you don't want cellular radios and you want something small and cheap and you don't want a big clunky iPad. These are fantastic, cheap little devices. Mm. So anyway, this certainly caught my eye. I, I, I was relieved to see that it's not dead because I, as I said, I've always liked the iPod touch. Well, Apple obviously still think there's a market for it out there, so otherwise they wouldn't have done it, would they? So Yeah, they would have just let it quietly die. So, mm. yeah, we shall see what... Yeah, it was good to shall see. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our two main stories. What a weird month of news. Um, before we finish up the show, I just have some quick stories to run through. Um, Apple have announced a service program to fix the so-called FlexGate issue. It affects some 2016 13-inch MacBook Pros. Basically, because as you open and close the screen, you would, over time, wiggle loose a cable, which would result in the screen backlight doing horrible things, so your screen would look ick. If that happens to you, there is now a service program to get it fixed for you, even if the device is out of Apple Care. So that is good. You know, Apple do this yeah. all the time. Good thing. Uh, after a very high-profile App Store rejection last year and much gnashing of teeth and much... Oh, we talked about it on the show. It was much, much, much of a controversy. Uh, the Steam Link app has appeared on the iOS Store. Apparently, they were able to rewrite it and stay within Apple's rules. After all. There so you that's go. good. Who, who'd have thought it? Hmm. Apple have increased the cellular download limit on the iOS App Store, so you can now download updates up to 200 megs while you're on cellular, whereas it was 150. So that's better. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know about that. So more apps will download while you're out and about. So if you have a bad data package, that's probably not a good thing, actually, but anyway. So so is that a hard-coded into all regions? That was actually on on the phone. You couldn't adjust that. That's you've blown my mind. That's an interesting that. question. The stories are written as if that is true, and my brain is going. But if I were implementing this, I would have done it as a carrier profile. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know if the Mac Observer are wrong, or if Apple are not doing the most logical thing. Hmm. Let's go have a look at that now afterwards. Yeah, interesting. I have to watch what happens because end I've ended up downloading a lot of apps over cellular because we recently had a bit of a bit of a bit of a bit of a broadband outage when Virgin Media accidentally took most of the country off the internet. Whoops! Yeah, they managed to break IPv4. <laughs> Excellent. We still had IPv6, so you could Google and then not get to you any know. results because Google no, and Facebook it. are IPv6 enabled, but almost nothing else on planet Earth is. Is yeah. I didn't even notice. Well, you okay? So our Virgin Media is the same name as your Virgin Media, but I don't ah, think they share okay. anything else in common because ours were called UPC until a year and a half ago. Oh, right. Okay, so it's part of Virgin Media. Yeah, they they basically came in and bought up our biggest uh, fiber ISP and <clears> rendered <throat> it and upped the price substantially. Oh dear. Yes, they have not That's increased not my speeds. Want. They have just increased my bill and made me cranky. Yeah. Anyway, I went. To, I went to them a little while ago, and uh, this, uh, this is a. a, a, a <laughs> I'm full of public service announcements tonight. Um, I, I had uh, 200 megabit per second broadband uh, mm. with Virgin Media, which was pretty pretty good. Yeah. And I just decided that I was paying them far too much money. <laughs> uh, so I went to them a little while ago and said, "Look, I just want your basic TV, because in all honesty, I'm watching Netflix most of the time." Yeah, uh, and. Um, I want to go down to 50 megabytes because I really don't need 200. And they said, yeah, okay. And, you know, I've not noticed any difference whatsoever. 
Well, that's good. I ended so, up. <laughs> so there we go. I ended up at one stage reducing my package as well because their price increases were just ridiculous, and I was like, I don't, I don't need two hundred and fifty megs. And certainly not if you're going to charge me way more than UPC used to charge me. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, where was I in me show notes? Um, Alexa now supports Apple Music in Australia and New Zealand on Echo, Sonos and Fire TV devices. So Apple is continuing to cozy up with Amazon, which I guess makes sense. I like being able to play Apple Music on my um, my Sonos. Sonos supported it as well now. So. Yeah, no, it's... It, it is it is good. It's very nice. Yeah, it is good that, that, that Apple are making more of these kind of deals. Apple Pay, this this is something I've noticed in the last couple of months. You know, the Apple Pay stories are really, individually they're not substantial, but when you start grouping a month's worth of them together, th- th- there's clearly some momentum here. So just in May, Apple Pay have announced support for um, NFC stickers that partners can, or that people can stick around the place so you can tap your phone off them to pay. Uh, one of their launch partners is Bird Scooters. I can see the usefulness there. Um, Apple Pay have launched in Iceland. Apple Pay have launched in Luxembourg and Hungary. Apple Pay have now arrived in the National Australia Bank, which I'm guessing is in Australia. And New York City subway riders can now use Apple Pay to uh, get on the trains. So that's all pretty good. Cool. Our Canadian friends are getting some love from Apple. Um, Apple Watch ECG functionality is on its way to Canada. And Apple have announced they're putting a big effort into improving the mapping detail across Canada. So Apple Maps in Canada is getting a big upgrade. Just just to jump back, you, you jumped on me before I got in there. Uh, okay, go on. I, I don't know about you, but I now found it extremely annoying when I can't use my watch. <laughs> with Apple Pay to pay for things. Yeah. It uh, happens so rarely. Yes. That I'm not sure what it would feel like because I can't remember the last time it happened. It, well, I've had it. I'll tell you where I, I, it, where it normally happens is at, <laughs> at parking lot machines that say that they take chip and pin, you know, or not ah. even chip and pin, where they take the, um, what do they call it? I can't remember. It's Connect. They don't use Apple Pay. Um, it's just the Connect where you put your phone or your watch next to, to the machine. It just... Uh, accepts it that's where it happens more often than not but mm. I, I just think what i've got to I've got to get a card out or get my phone out I, just <laughs> incredible how quickly you get used to using it it yes. really is yeah it's like you mean i have to take my gloves off fumble around in my pocket find my <laughs> wallet yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just Double, you know, yeah, it's it's so much easier just to double tap that button and pop your pop your wrist onto the sensor. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, uh, what, what are we next? SAP and Apple have extended their partnership, so not of all that much interest to home users, but in the corporate world, that's a big deal. And just a reminder to anyone who's still using Back to My Mac, um, you won't be using it for very much longer because the switch is being turned off on July the 1st. So you really do need to start looking into alternatives. Mm. And as we record this, WWDC starts tomorrow. Apple will be streaming the keynote. And uh, a little story that sort of caught my eye is Cardiogram are going to be judging which part of the keynote is the most exciting by monitoring people's heart rates to see what Apple announcement gets people's heart rate up the most. Brilliant. (laughs) So I will be very curious to see the results of that little experiment. So that brings us to the end of another month's worth of Apple News. Folks, thank you very much for giving of your time for digesting this month's news. Gaz, do you want to let the good listeners know where you can be found? Yes, quite easily. Uh, just go over to um, mymac.com, but we also have mymacpodcast.com. Uh, if you do a search in any podcatcher, uh, just look out for mymac. And Guy Searle and myself try to do a weekly, um, well, it's just a it's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. So don't have any high expectations, but we, we do enjoy ourselves when we chat to each other. Well, I've, I've, I've had the pleasure of being on your show a few times, mm. and I can honestly say they're always good crack. Yes. And, and of course, and, we and we're... Has as well now. I, I have it. I have as well. Yeah. Yes. yes. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Yes. Good. 
Sorry, Bart, I jumped in. You know what we are going to say? We are all part of the MyMac Podcasting Network, so we're all happy yeah. families. Nick, would you like to let the listeners know where they can catch your musings? Indeed. Um, I, um, occasion, very occasionally on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. And you can hear me over talking to Simon occasionally on the Essential Apple. Excellent. And we should give a plug to Essential Apple because Simon very kindly volunteered to be on the panel and gave, you know, rearranged his Sunday so he could be here. And then unfortunately, technology didn't play ball and poor Simon, despite spending 15 minutes of great frustration, wasn't able to join us on the panel. So, Simon, thank you for trying so hard to join us um, and for arranging your day around us. And so sorry you weren't here. So people should listen to uh, Simon's show over at Essential Apple, which is also a member of the MyMac Podcasting Network. So we're very insidious today. Incestuous. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> Wrong word. Thank you. Maybe insidious as well. <laughs> yes, but I didn't mean incestuous. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, you will find detailed show notes with links to all of the stories that informed my thinking of about this month's Apple News over at let's-talk.ie. While you're over there, there is a section called Support the Show. I would like to thank everyone who does support the show and also to encourage those of you who don't but who enjoy the show to consider becoming a supporter of the show. Um the the sort of the the, the thing which does the most to keep the lights on is the Patreon link. So Patreon is a service where you can become a patron of the show. You pledge an amount per episode. There will be exactly two episodes per month, one Apple, one photography. So you, if you think that my podcasts are worth a dollar an episode, then pledge a dollar and I'll get $2 from you each month. You get the idea. Um, basically, there are bills that arrive every month and there's Patreon money that arrives every month. And my aim is to have one cancel out the other. Uh, so that podcasting pays for itself. The other way to support the show is through a giant big PayPal button. And what that is great for is for the non-recurring costs, like when I need new software, new hardware, those kind of things. Um, I am currently enjoying a beautiful boom, which makes it much easier for me to use my mic. And that came about through money from people pushing that PayPal button. Um, and then also, if you are the nerdy type who uses Linux VMs and such things and who occasionally registers domain names, there are affiliate links there for Hover, who are a domain registrar, and for DigitalOcean, who will sell you what they call droplets, or basically VMs. They have a whole ocean metaphor going on. It's quite fun. And the great one actually with the DigitalOcean is that if you spend at least $50 with them, then you will get some free DigitalOcean hosting credit, and so will I. Uh, whereas the hover one, I get some free credit, but I'm afraid to say you just get the pleasure of supporting the show. Anyway, I've been your host, Bart Bouchard. You can find me at bartb.ie. Enjoy WWDC, and I will talk to you all this time next month when I'm sure we will have lots and lots of Apple news to discuss. But anyway, until then, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, Gaz, do you like apples? Yes, I love Cox's because they're hard and juicy. Huh? Do you mean what I think you mean? Yeah, Cox's Pippin' Apples. They come from Somerset Guy. Everyone knows that. But we're talking about the MyMac.com podcast. It's been around since 2004. Oh, I see. That type of apple. Exactly. You can find it in iTunes. Talk to us from Twitter or Facebook. Or call us on our Skype number, which is... 703-436-9501. There. Said it before you could. <laughs>